announcement, and just so that everyone is on board where we are. If you heard the, uh, about praying for some tests, uh, three weeks ago, almost four weeks ago, Christine was diagnosed with metastatic melanoma with a tumor on her leg. Okay. We, found, we had some tests and that found that the cancer did not spread, so we were very thankful for that and very really grateful to God for that. She had a CAT scan just the other day to make sure that there was nothing in her lungs. We haven't had the results, but the doctor didn't expect anything of real seriousness, so that's where we're going with it. We're just trusting God. And just so that you know where we are in this process, uh, our hearts are good. We know that Father is near. He's always near. And that's the, that's the word of this year, I think. If we could proclaim a word over ourselves this year, let's proclaim that word. There are a lot of other words that want to take hold of us this year. Fear, doubt, disease, worry, threats. There are so many words that want to take over our identity this year. Let's let those words be our identity. The Father is near. He's real near. Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for the great opportunity to be close to your heart. We are glad that you are near. That no matter where we go, you are near. You are close by. You are personal, like Mike said. You're invested in us. And because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, you're actually embedded in us. You saturate ourselves with, with you. Our DNA reflects you. Everything about us, because we're your sons and we're your daughters. So I thank you for that great privilege of being your son this morning. I thank you for my fellow brothers and sisters here today. That we're able to come together to worship you, to glorify you, and to proclaim that you are a God who is near, not a God who's far off. So, Father, with that proclamation, I ask for your words to be spoken through me today. I ask that you would empty me of me. That you would fill me with, entirely with yourself. So that the words that are spoken remain close to all of us. Your truth, your wisdom, your power, your encouragement. That all the words that get spoken today will reflect in your heart and nothing of me. Because it's your heart we need. It's your words we need. And it's your presence we need. And in this we give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about a word that actually started a year ago. And I was supposed to start it next, uh, last week and because we had such a fantastic uh, time of prayer and communion and worship. It was an awesome. We did, just never got to the sermon, which was quite okay because God spoke and God did some marvelous things. And I think that's just going to ripple throughout our year here. But if you're like me this morning, 2016 sometimes... Or the new year sometimes might seem like a great opportunity, or it might seem like a real downer. 
Anybody else feel a little dry and crusty this morning? Am I the only one brave enough to raise his hand? That's okay. Let me ask you this way. Does anyone feel like you've been in a war this past year? The truth is, we are in one. Every day. 365 days a year. 24-7. We are in a war. Thankfully, we have someone who goes to war for us. In World War II, there was this great Marine general. His name was General Chester Puller. He was one of the most decorated Marine generals in history. In a key battle in World War II, he found himself and his battalion cut off from the main forces and surrounded by the enemy. And this is the speech that he gave to his men. Men, they're in front of us. They're behind us. They're on our left, and they're on our right. They can't get away from us this time. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that confidence. I want that kind of faith. See, he was telling his men, you know, they weren't in trouble. The enemy was. Because they knew where the enemy was. It didn't matter that he was surrounded. He said, well, they can't get away from us this time because we know where they are. Wow, what a faith. What a faith. I want a faith like that because it is true. The the battle is real. Every day these things come against us. The threat of, of a disease, the threat of financial security, the threat of... Relationships falling apart. Bodies falling apart. Livelihoods. It's all real. All of us face it in some way, either ourselves or through our family members. We face this every stinking day. It gets tired and, and brutal. I want a faith that says, I don't care what surrounds me. And maybe we're questioning this morning, say, you know, okay, is 2016 going to be any different than 2015? Will it be any different for me? I think in this word, this wonderful word that we have that God has given us, there's a battle strategy for us. Thousands of battle strategies. But I would like to share one in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, if you would just go there. I just want to talk about a battle line. You know what a battle line is? Some of you do. Some of you have been in the military. You know what a battle line is. It's how the troops are positioned on the front lines. And the key to the battle is often how those troops are positioned. Where are they positioned? How they're fortified. How they're supplied. It's extremely important, the battle line is. Thankfully, God has positioned us on a battle line for victory. To win. He has strategically planned this out. He knows what we need to be supplied with. He knows how to be positioned along the front lines. He knows who needs to be on our left and who needs to be on our right and who needs to be behind us and who is in front of us. None of it is a surprise to Father God. 
Nothing that we're facing. Not, there isn't one enemy that we face this morning that God is surprised and taken back by. Oh, I didn't prepare for that. God knows we are positioned for victory. We just need to know. So if you're there in Second Chronicles verse 20, I mean chapter 20, we're going to start reading. Jehoshaphat is an interesting king. The nation of Israel is divided into two parts right now. Israel and Judah. And he's the king of Judah. And he's one of the good kings. Because many of the other kings weren't so good. But he said that he sought God with all of his heart. So God blessed him. So he was a wise king. He's a king that knew, knew God. And he tried to lead the country in that, in that manner. But now he knows he's being faced by three enemies. Three enemies are coming against the nation of Judah. And these are not just any enemies. These are some of the most brutal armies on the face of the planet at that time. These three cultures all believed in, a, in, a, in this, really the same God, but they called them different names. Different variations of the God Baal. This culture was so brutal is that when they attacked the enemy, they would perform human sacrifices of their enemies. It was so brutal that they would actually rip children from the mother's wombs and sacrifice them. You can see where that might have led to in our modern day times. Jehoshaphat's got a reason to be afraid here. These are brutal, brutal enemies. Let's pick up in verse 3 in what he does. He hears about everybody that's coming against him. He says, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord, and all, from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. The first battle strategy was to pray. To pray. The phrase to set your face basically means is to turn in a direction to someone who is more powerful than you are. So when it says the king set his face, he turned to God. He turned his face, he turned his attention, he, tur- he turned his entire being to the one that he knew that he could go to for help. He knew his father, his king, his lord was near. To set our face towards God is to focus totally on him in prayerful worship. The word seeking means to follow, asking, pursuing with everything that you are. And holding nothing back. So the first battle strategy was to pray the second one is in verses 5 through 12. Let's see if you can figure out what this one is. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms and all the nations. In your hand are power and might that, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not... Our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people Israel and give it to forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. I like that. Abraham, your friend. 
And they lived in it and have built for them for you in a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. Verse 10. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel evade, when they come against us from the land of Egypt, and from whom they avoided, did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, in which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The second thing they did was proclaim. They proclaimed, they proclaimed who God was, who God is, and who God was going to be for them. They proclaimed that no one else could save them. There was no one more powerful that was able to save them. And they were going to proclaim that Hey, we don't, we don't know what to do. How many times in you're facing some of your enemies that you don't know what to do? I, I almost never know what to do. At first. And then I start to proclaim who he is. Start to proclaim that my father is near. And I don't have to be afraid of my enemies. Because there's someone on my side who is more powerful than anything I face. So I pray and I proclaim... That my eyes are on you. Even though I don't know what to do, my eyes remain on you. Thank God. Thank God. Okay, verse 16. Here's the third one. A prophet stands up in the midst of all of them and says this. And he said, listen, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. At this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God. That was 15, I realized that. Tomorrow go against them. Behold, they will come up to you by the, uh, this accent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. This is wonderful. God is telling them exactly where the enemy is going to be. God knows. But the third one, the third strategy is to listen. We, this is active listen. Listening, we pay close attention to how God replies to our prayers and proclamations. We need to listen for God's answers. So many times we're praying, we're proclaiming, but we're not listening. We're not listening to his word, to his instructions. Again, God knows exactly who our enemies are. How powerful they are and where they are. Doesn't matter if they surround us, God surrounds us. So we gotta listen to His Word, we gotta listen to what He's saying to us in the midst of. We cannot get confused about the numbers against us. We got to listen to His voice. Gotta listen to His voice. Verse 16, when I was 16, I already read, but let's read this again. He says, this is because this is the, the other of the fourth battle strategy. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. You know you have a choice in whether or not you be afraid or not. Word just said it. 
said, do not be afraid. Which means we have a choice whether or not we're afraid. But what I found often in my walk is sometimes I give more faith to my fear than I actually give to faith. I believe more what fear says to me than what faith says to me. That word dismayed means to break down in fear. And here the prophet is telling the nation of of Judah, saying, look, you don't have to be afraid and you don't have to break down from fear because you know what? This battle is not even yours. The battle is God's. Yes, I'm telling you to pray. Yes, I'm telling you to proclaim. That's for your benefit. But you don't have to be afraid of this great army against you. Because... The battle is not yours, but it's God's. I touched on this last week. Why is that phrase so important? That the battle is not yours, but God's. Because God takes it personal when the enemy comes against his children. His great love for us is so deep, so wide. When the enemy starts to make a a motion of an attack against his people, God comes. Says, no, uh-uh. my sons and daughters don't have to fight. I fight for my sons and daughters. I take it personal when the enemy attacks them. That's why it's important to know. This is a personal God. You know, this is, that's the message of today, that God is personal. God is real. God is involved in every aspect of every battle that we're in. And to the point that he fights it for us. We have to prepare. We have to get on the battle line. But he fights it for us. He takes it very personal. Okay, number five is verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. And see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. On your behalf. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. There's that word again. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. That word with you means beside you. But beside you, beside you, up close, personal, not just standing next to you, beside you, beside you. That's pretty personal. God invades our space for a reason. Because we need him to. We're facing an enemy that wants to, that comes to seek and destroy us and take everything from us. Don't you want a God that's up close and personal? That's next to you? Skin against skin? Heart against heart? Spirit against spirit? I do. I do. But we need to stand and hold your position. This is, of course, a military command. Saying, stand firm. Stand secure. Hold your position. What is our position here? What is our position here? To pray and proclaim and don't fear. That's the position he's given them to us. He said, look, I've already told you what it is. Pray, proclaim, and don't be afraid. That's your position. It's oh, awesome. This is a great strategy. God's a great general. Did you know that? Okay. 
says in Ephesians 6, 6.13, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. Stand. Positioning ourselves along the line where God tells us to do. Because the person next to us needs to see that too. I need to know that my brother and sister next to me is standing with me. This is a together thing. This is a body thing. This is brothers and sisters willing to stand close to each other as well. Fighting alongside of each other. This is what he's telling them. This is what we need to embrace. Okay, battle strategy number six. We worship. We need to worship before. This is in verses 18 to 19. We need to worship during. This verses 21 to 22. And we need to worship after. Verses 27 to 28. I'm going to read verses 21 to 22. I'm going to read 18 because this is beautiful here. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And that means get completely flat to the ground. Flat out. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord. Did the same thing. Worshipping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kohanites and the Koranites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. That word praise means to shine, to make clear, to rave and celebrate. And they're doing all this when their face is flat against the ground. So they had to praise God with a very loud voice. Very strong voice. Because not only did the nation of Israel needed to hear it, so did the enemy. See, this is another worship that takes on a whole new spiritual warfare aspect here. And it says they rose up early in the morning. That phrase, early in the morning, is that what would happen if you got up early in the morning to go to work. That you took a beast of burden and you loaded that beast of burden up with all the stuff that you needed to work. It also means that you put your shoulder to a task. So they rose up in in the morning with a purpose that they had something to do. And they were ready to do it because they had already worshipped. They had already worshipped. And they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. And here's number seven. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord, and praise him in holy attire, and went before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. God's a great general, and you might question his battle strategy here, but what he did is he put a worship team in front of the army. He said, this is how we're going to go into this battle. We're going to go in worshiping. That word believe is a powerful phrase. It actually means to go to the right hand. To go to the right hand. In scripture, to go to the right hand, the right hand is, the, is, is a, a symbolic of authority and power in the Bible. 
So to go to the right hand is to go to authority and go to power. And the only ultimate source of authority and power is, of course, God himself. So Jehoshaphat was telling the people, you know, believe, go to the right hand, go to the right hand. It is the right hand to go to. Go to the Father. We're going to believe on all the power, all the authority that God himself holds, because where else could we go to? We're going to go to the right hand. We're going to believe, and we will be established. We will succeed. That word succeed actually means to be raised up by a father. To be raised up by a father. Father is. So we pray. We proclaim, we don't fear, we stand, we worship, and we believe so we can succeed. And that word it means actually to push forward. So much of the enemy is to push us back. So much of the intention of the enemy is to push us back. And God is saying, you know, if you want to succeed, if you want to push forward... This is my battle strategy for you. First off, it's to realize that, yes, I am near. I'm God who is always near. I need you to pray. I need you to proclaim. I need you not to give in to fear and to break down from fear. I need you to stand. I need you to believe. I need you to worship throughout all of it. At the beginning, in the middle of a battle, and at the end of the battle, because it says when they won this great victory, because what happened, the enemies of those three armies turned against themselves and killed each other. Judah didn't have to go to war. They were on the front lines. They were prepared. And that's the beauty of the story. God had them do all kinds of preparation, but it was about their hearts that he was talking about. He knew the victory was already won, but he cared so much about their hearts because they were so afraid. Afraid that this devastation army was going to come and wipe them off the planet, destroy everything that they knew, everything that they loved. Yet, he had them go through all these Preparations, all these battle strategies, so their hearts would not be dismayed. They would not break down from fear. He had them worship because he knew what worship does. Worship gets our eyes off of ourselves and on him. When we worship, we see him. When we worship, we feel him near. When we worship, we know he's near. So we worship before, we worship during, we worship after this. It says after this, they were, they were able to go and, and they took all the enemy's plunder and they brought it back and it took them four days to bring it back into the city. And it said that they rejoiced and they called that valley the Valley of Baca. I think that's how it's pronounced. It means the Valley of Blessing. What the enemy meant for destruction, God turned it into a Valley of Blessing. And that's what I hope for all of us for this next year. We already have some challenges. Maybe there are more challenges to come, maybe. But we've been given a a great, great battle strategy. The Bible is full of it. 
And God, this great commander, this great warrior, this great champion of our hearts and our souls and our spirits and, the, and everything that is connected to us because he loves us so much, wants us to have victory this year. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you just love us so much, that there is power in your strategy for this year. So as pastor, I do pray for all of us. I pray, that, Father, that we will dive into your that we would learn battle strategies from you. That we are our faith will rise up. So no matter what we're surrounded by, we know that we're surrounded by you first. That every part of our being is saturated with you and your love and your power. That we can go into a battle singing about your everlasting love. So I pray for all of us. I pray blessing upon our relationships. I pray blessing on our health. I pray, pray a blessing on our finances, on everything that concerns our our walk with you. I pray we would not give ourselves over to fear. We would not be dismayed this year. That when we start to be afraid, we would start to worship. We would start to pray. We would start to proclaim. We would start to listen. And we would believe. Because you are a God who has delivered us in the past, who has healed us in the past. You are a God who is healing us and delivering us today. And you are a God who promises to deliver and heal us tomorrow. These are the things that we believe about you. And these are the things we proclaim as a people. That as for us, we will follow the Lord. So for those prayers that we're praying for today and those who are unspoken in our hearts, I pray for healing. I pray for peace. I pray for restoration, reconciliation. I pray that people's hearts would be turned towards you and that everyone's hunger would increase for you. Everyone's thirst will increase for you. And that we will be satisfied with nothing less than all of you. And I thank you for this and I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.